Hello, and welcome to Conversations with me, Dr. Theo Blackmore, part of the Discover Voices Media Network. There we go. Thank you very much. Today I'm talking to Colin Barnes again, and this is for the second part of your life. And last time you took us through your early childhood and your early adulthood up to the present day and who your parents were and things like that. And we're now currently knocking on the door at Leeds. Well, uh, going back to what I said yesterday, uh, last week, um, I'd been at Leeds since 1982 as an undergraduate. And then I went on to do a postgraduate degree and produced um, the book, um, cabbage syndrome, which was basically my PhD verbatim. It, it, I didn't have to change anything. And before my, in, well, anyway, that doesn't matter. In 1988, 89, 88, 87, 88, 89, in, as well as doing uh, my PhD, finishing it off, I was, research, I was teaching in the university for six hours and at Bradford and Ilkley College and at Trinity College. And as soon as I got the PhD, before I um, joined BCODP, I applied for a couple of lectureships at Leeds. And of course, didn't get them, basically. So uh, you said, sorry, you said BCODP there, which is the British Council of Organisations. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's because I'm sort of talking about before I joined the British Council of Organisations, as it was then, it wasn't yeah. about people. It was about organisations. Uh, I'd been teaching in, in three colleges in Leeds. One, Trinity and All Saints, which is now a university, and the other one was Leeds College, which is now another university. So basically I'd done all that, and I applied to uh, Leeds for a full-time lectureship. And that was in 89, and again in 81, when I was working on Leeds, working at Leeds, for the, uh, the British Council of Organisations Disabled People's Research Project. Okay. One of the things that Leeds did give me when I started working for BCODP full-time, they gave me an office and uh, which I shared with another lovely chap called Ian Law, who studied race. He had the office in the afternoon and I had the office in the morning, basically. And Leeds, although I wasn't employed by there, they allowed us to use the address as the British Councils of Organisations, Disabled Peoples Research Unit, the University of Leeds, et cetera, et cetera. So that started in 1990, okay? Yeah. While I was fully employed by BCODP, but still teaching, teaching at Leeds for six hours, to make up my wages because BCODP didn't they didn't have a lot of money. It was basic right if you know what rate if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean anyway, you don't want to go into that, but that's what happened. When um when 1990 was around, I my published my first book, which was Cabbage Syndrome, which was my PhD. That was published in 1990. So I went to Leeds with 19 a publication um research money for the bcodp 
1991, while I was still em fully employed by BCODP, I had two books out, basically. And research money, which had finished for the Institutional Discrimination Project, but I got more money to do a project on disability and the media, okay? And I applied to Leeds again in 1991 for a job as a lecturer, and I didn't get it. I mean, they didn't even reply. But a friend of mine, um, who I can name, because I'm not, I'm not going to slag him off, who's really been a supporter of me, yeah. uh, Ray Pawson, uh, he was my supervisor as an undergraduate, and he put together um, a one-year course with the half with the sociology department and half with the Department of Professional Education. And I was commissioned, I was employed to sell short courses, basically, because I'd done a disability equality training course with the London uh, DET programme organised by Jane Campbell and um, um, Gillespie Sells. I can't remember a first name. I think it's Francis Dillette, Catherine Dillette Gillespie Sells. They, they put a little booklet together called Disability Equality Training. And they had a, a weekend where you went down and did everything. Now, the point about that course it was a one day two day course one day or two days and it was organized around three elements basically theory which was a discussion of the social model of disability practice which was about policy now it was aimed at professionals in various occupations you know social work um, engineering whatever and it was a focus on the policy of how you could put into practice accessibility for disabled people in their area. Now, they was, this came out in 1990, and they were selling that in London, basically. And I was expected, I was employed to do that at Leeds, which I did, basically. We, Leeds at that time had a, a relationship with a local hotel, uh, Wheatwood Hall. So what, what, what I was doing in 1991-92, September 91 to September 92, was selling short courses, weekend courses for professionals in the Leeds area on equality, disability, and I didn't get any on race because Ian did the ones on race, basically. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. Now, in that in that year, I persuaded my um, PhD supervisor, or one of them, um, Jeff Mercer, to put together a course on Introduction to Disability Studies. Because while I was teaching at Leeds, I was doing a lecture for undergraduates on disability. I mean, in, at Leeds in the first year, whatever course you're on, you do your core courses. Like if you're doing law, you do basic law in England and so on and so forth. And then you've got two option courses. You can choose whatever you want to do. Yeah. So basically, I spoke to Jeff and the head of school at that time and said, look, we could do a disability, an introduction to disability studies 
for undergraduates because how it worked at the university was in the first year you got all core courses you couldn't choose options in the second year you could choose options and of course i set that up in 1981-82 and that started 91 91 yeah that started in september 1992 okay now i was still employed as um on a one-year contract so what they did was they extended my contract for another three years so i didn't actually i wasn't fully employed by leeds until 1994 okay but what was interesting was the course social the introduction to disability studies was so successful right that i said to uh, the department well what we could do we could open a, another course for postgraduates where we offer it to people with at Leeds and many universities. There are three ways you can get into doing courses. One is by having A-levels or equivalent professional qualifications. Another is if you've been in, say, engineering, for several years and you've been a master at a particular skill, profession, then you can go into university and do MA or even a PhD. You see what I mean? So yeah. I persuaded the university to say, well, all right, what we can do is, because I've always wanted to open the courses to disabled people and because of the education system, lots of disabled people are disadvantaged by education for things that I don't need to go here but it, it's you know obvious for, for those of us with impairments if you know what I mean education can be really difficult so the idea of the diploma was that people who wanted to do the diploma what they had to do was either apply with qualifications like O levels A levels or whatever if they didn't have O levels or any professional skills then they would come be interviewed by me and they would be asked to do a 3000 word essay on what their understanding of disability was and right. if they could do that okay they were in basically and originally it was going to be simply a di postgraduate diploma but we attracted i think the first year it was about 11 students on the postgraduate course one of whom incidentally was um Liz Carr. Wow. Believe it or not, you know Liz Carr. Yeah, the actor. Now she's a big star. Yeah, but yeah. That, at that time, she was involved in BCODP and she had a, a really good friend who I, I can't remember her name. They were a comedy act. And anyway, she was on the first diploma in various other people. But there were 11 people altogether. And through conversations, basically, they said, well, why can't we make it into a full MA and that's how the MA emerged and the MA was exactly the same you could get on if you could prove that you could do the work basically by doing a 3000 word essay which is you know that, that's not really demanding when you think about it if you if you can write if you've done English you know but we'll get to that later so that's how the MA started and once that was 
well known at Leeds, because Leeds was still the British Council of Organisations of Disabled People's Research Unit. We got applica applications to do PhDs. And by 1994, I'd got, I was supervising with my friend Jeff Mercer, Mark Priestley, um, Emma Stone, who great woman did a lot of work on disability and development. And she was, uh, when she left the university, was chief executive for the Joseph Rowntree Foundation. Okay. Mark, Mark Priestley went on to do a PhD and is was a professor of disability and social policy at Leeds. He went, he's just retired now. We had a chap from um, Canada called Majid Tumasani and Aisha Vernon, who's a blind, a blind academic, basically. Now we had all that, uh, and then we had we had Alison Sheldon in 1996. So that was all happened in the first four years of my employment, if you see, from 19, 19 September 1992 to 1992 to 96. So my question to you is, so were there any other courses? I mean, that's kind of sounds like quite revolutionary for disabled people to be able to get into university without having O-levels and A-levels. Were there well, other universities? I was going to get to that, really. Mike Oliver was doing a social work course. He, he, was, he had to do an optional course on social work at the University of Kent, and that was structured around disability, basically. Um, disability. It wasn't called disability studies or anything like that. There were course, There was courses in America but they were called disability studies. But the American approach to disability was completely in contrast to what we did in England. I mean, one of the principal um, lecturers and one of the person who began the whole program was a chap called Irving Zola, really nice chap, but he was a medical sociologist. Right. Basically. And the UK, did have a course in London called Disability and Rehabilitation, which was basically a medical sociology course, which is all about, you know, it's a, an individual problem and the solutions are the way through medicine and therapy and all that kind of stuff. What Leeds was, was basically a disability course that focused on the disabled people's definitions of disability. Now, one of the things that's important here, I have to go back again to history. If you go back to 1981, or even if you go back to 1975, there was the UN Declaration of the Rights of Persons with Disabled Persons. Yeah. In 1973, there was a course for equivalent course for people with what we would call learning difficulties now. Yeah. 19, 1979, there was a rehabilitation conference in America of 500 people, right? And so some delegates, disabled delegates, asked to be on the organizing committee, right? And they were refused because they weren't academics or professionals. So they set up an organization called Disabled People's International. Yeah. And that's why BCODP was formed, which we mentioned last week. Now, one of the things that was significant about that conference was, 
And there's a book, there's a book out by uh, Diane Dreiger called The Last Civil Rights Movement, which talks about disabled people international and the disability studies politics, basically. At that conference, Vic Finkelstein and the American the Ir Irish delegation persuaded the organization that's Disabled Peoples International to adopt a twofold definition, equivalent to the one that UPIS produced in 1972, three, four. Now, one of the things that, as I said last week, Finkelstein, when I went to see him, he gave me a copy of um, Fundamental Rights of Disabled People, you know, the, the sort of book that was an argument between the Disability Incomes Group and UPIS. Fundamental Principles of Disability is the pamphlet, basically. You yeah. can download it if you want from the Disability Archive at Leeds. I mean, um, so I knew basically that there was this separation between impairment as the problem and disability. And I mean, it, it, that's what this is, you know, oh God, I was going to pick up a book there, The Disabled People in Britain and Discrimination About. That yeah. is a book which is based all around the social model. Dis well, I don't want to call it the social model because that's that's a phrase which is not what it is. It, the model is the simple thing that you say, it's not basically your fault, it's society's fault and you convince people by pointing to steps and things like that. It's because people argue about the social model as being limited. Now, as Mike and I have shown, if you think about disability politics, the biggest problems that disabled people face in society is society, basically. The one of the things that I always tell students is, now I'm, I'm turning into a lecture, which is not what I want to do, but impairment is not a minority issue. Yeah. If you think about it, and there's evidence to this, the World Health Organization produced a report on disability in, in 2000, I think it's 10 or 11. And the biggest cause of impairment, whether it be physical, sensory or intellectual across the world, is poverty. Yeah. Seriously, that's yeah. the, the other causes are obvious, accident, illness, uh, employment, if you work in particular employment, you're likely to be influenced by that, or simply the fact of ageing, if you see what I mean. So the idea that disability is a minority issue is nonsense. It's a product of the way of our culture, which is why you can't discuss disability without focusing on society's attitudes, the media, literature, all that sort of stuff, which I did in in disabled people in the media. I can't remember what that is, but it, it's a report on, on the archive. So the whole course at Leeds, all courses, whether they were postgraduate, undergraduate, or what short courses, were all structured about the basic principles of disability equality training. So for example, if you did if you did an MA at Leeds on disability studies when I was there, okay, yeah. You would you do a first module on theory. Now that sounds terrible, you know, but basically it would be arguments about basic theories and how historically 
disability as being perceived as a medical issue, how it became politicized and the reappraisal of disability as society's failure to address disabled people's needs. That was the theory, okay? So the course really focused exclusively from a large perspective onto this idea that society is the problem. The next course that you would do in your first year would be social policy, and it would look at health policy, education, transport, all the things that are addressed in disabled people in Britain and discrimination. Yeah. And the third course would be on practice, which was basically research skills. So it would be a research course focusing on what later be called the emancipatory disability research model, which is a it's it's basically the how if you if you understand if you think about the anti-discrimination policy that I did, okay, yeah, that policy was conceived by a that uh, that research was conceived by the British Council of Organisation, Rachel Hurst. Mike, Mike Oliver wasn't a member of BCODP at that time, but that's all right, he was an advisor. But Rachel Hurst, Richard Wood, who was the director, great bloke, they decided that they needed evidence for the arguments against discrimination for disabled people. Because as I said in last week, you know, the, the first attempt had been since 19, I think it was 82, after the first year of international disabled people. And then there were several attempts afterwards and all being scrapped because it's a medical problem. Charities said we look after disabled people and all that kind of thing. So what they wanted was this focus on society and every part of its course. So the second course was all about policies, education, housing, all that sort of stuff so that people understood why disabled people were disadvantaged in the way that they were. And against the last course was focusing on this research methods. Now, the emancipatory research course, search method is simply research that is conceived and controlled by disabled people's organization, conducted by preferably a disabled researcher, but not exclusively, and the end product is accessible to disabled people. Because the whole point of what disability studies was about was using academic, academic frameworks to produce research which had a purpose. Now, there's one thing that's important here that, that has to be sort of addressed. When you talk about academia and universities, people think that, universities are simply about discussions and philosophy and all that kind of stuff and lots of people still think that disability studies at leeds is simply about putting theory policy into practice the whole ethos of everything we did at leeds certainly up until 2014 when i left that's what it was all about nothing else i mean I used to say to students, believe it or not, um, one of the definitions, one aspect of the concept academia is of no practical use. 
academic is of no practical use in one level. And one, one argument, that's what it's about. And I used to say, if you want to be an academic, don't do disability studies. Because this course is about giving you the skills to use knowledge to for the benefit of disabled people. And that's what I'd give them in the first. And I mean, the core material for the course was basically all the stuff that I put together with um, in cabbage syndrome. A lot of it was written by disabled people. I mean, uh, Disabled We Stand, for example, by Alan Sutherland, you know, uh, Mike Oliver, the two core course books, essential reading, were Politics of Disablement and Disabled People in Britain and Discrimination. And of course, everything else came with that as well. You know, you had to look at, for example, the UPIS, uh, the debates between DIG and so on and so forth. So the course material was all there. Basically, you know, so it's quite amazing though that you said so that this is the first place where you had a disability studies course set up in the whole, well, in the whole country at that stage. Yeah. And later, I mean, it wasn't just the country, it was the world. You see, one yeah. of the things, the one of the things that we did right from the very beginning was didn't want it to be just leads because obviously. Rachel Hurst was BCODP's member who looked after international affairs. Yeah. You know, Disabled People's International was international. I mean, the first conference in 1981, which BCODP attended, where they adopted the twofold definition of disability, impairment and disability, although they used disability and handicap in many, many countries initially because they reckoned that they didn't have a word for impairment, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It was a clear focus. There was individual issues, health-related, impairment-related, and society was the problem. That's what D DPI was all about. And I was a member of DPI. So obviously we didn't want it to be just for Leeds. So everything we produced, we put up, tried to make it as international as possible. The other thing we, we tried to do was get disabled people involved in discussions of disability. So with the research money that we had generated at Leeds, we set up a series of conferences uh, at Wheatwood Hall. And these conferences were not massive by today's standards, but they were about between 50, 70, 50 75 people. Okay, oh. two, two day conferences. The first one was in 1995, and it was a conference on the relationship between disability studies and medical sociology. And it's on the internet, it's called Exploring the Divide. Right. And it brought together academics from medical sociology and disabled people writing about disability and seeing where, what was, how we could come together in one way, what, what to other. Now, this yeah. is really interesting because because medical sociology was the older perspective when the conference started 
everybody had a, you know, like all conference, you get 20 minutes and questions, 20 minutes and questions and that, that sort. So we had about 12 presentations and it was divided between medical sociologists and disabled people. And the first person to do a presentation was a chap called Mike Burry, who was a big advocate and critic of the politics of disablement and particularly what he called, you know, the, the removal of the individual from disability and all that kind of stuff. And all he did was criticise Mike Oliver, basically, and the social model of dis and the social model of disability. Now, the book, you can download the book and these chapters separately. I mean, so we, because what we did after the conference, I tried I put all the papers together and I tried to get them published. By a, a, an academic publisher, and of course, I couldn't. Disability wasn't sellable and all that sort of stuff. And that's why we set up the Disability Press at Leeds. Yeah. At Leeds, they had a, an area which was about practice. All the universities, what's that in the corner? Stop on a minute. Something's happening on your computer. Yeah, well, I've, I've got my bloody keyboard here. <laughs> I, I'm... For people who can't see what we're doing, when I'm talking, I wave my arms about. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, if I catch the anyway. So basically, we set up the disability press, and the university um said, yes, we can produce the disability press. So we produced books. One of the things that we did was make sure there was no academic language in it, you know. We wanted it to be as widely read as possible. Sure. And um, the other thing that I did was because I'm short-sighted, it takes me ages to read ordinary print. So we produced all the books up until 1999 in both ordinary print, large print and braille because the university at that time had the Royal National Institute for the Blindness Brailing Unit downstairs. Okay. So the book, the large print versions were A4 size, basically, and they were ring-pulled bound so that somebody, because when, when I was talking to Mike about this, he says, well, can you make it so that you can do it with one hand? because he, he could only use one hand. Because my colleague and I were really, he was my mentor in many ways, in lots of ways. Um, and he was the first external examiner for disability studies courses at least. So the first four years had me, uh, Jeff Mercer and Mike Oliver running the course, basically. Mike was, what happens is, I don't, I mean, you've been to university, haven't you? Have I got sorry? You've been to university, haven't you? I have, yeah, yeah. So what you do is it goes to an internal examiner and everything yeah. has to have an external, external examiner who's familiar with the material and all that stuff. Well, there wasn't very many people in England at that time. So Mike Oliver was the first external examiner. So that's how the courses started. I mean, it's interesting that um, they introduced 
him and Len Barton set up a journal, Disability, Handicap and Society. Yeah. In 1986. And that was a that was a, another book that was you could another source that you could draw on to build on on the course. So we had everything we needed for an academic university course system. It's interesting that uh, while while others used people with disabilities and handicap and stuff, one of the things that I said on the course is, you know, we don't call people with um Black people, people of colour, or whatever you want to call them. You don't call those with people with black skin or whatever. So why should we call people with impairments, people with disabilities, when disability is clearly caused by society, if you see what I mean? Yeah. And that's when disability and society changed its name from disability, handicap and society to disability and society. Because in 1992... I was invited onto the executive board. And one of the things that I was very strict about at Leeds is people not using the phrase people with disabilities, because that puts the responsibility for disability on the individual. Yeah. If you see what I mean. The other thing about that phrase is that emerged after the 1980s. Because if you go back to all the literature that I mentioned earlier, the UN Convention on Pers Disabled Persons, the yeah. WHO International Year of Disabled People, yeah. Disabled Peoples International, there was a decade of disabled people in the 1980s, there was an African decade of disabled people in the 90s, an Arab state, uh, Arab decade of disabled people in the Naughties, if you see what I mean. But there is still this preference among, in inverted commas, ordinary non-disabled people, politicians and so on, to use the phrase people with disabilities. Now, I know it sounds trivial, but when anybody is talking, as I said, I think it's important. Language is important, yeah. if you see what I mean. It's how we understand the so, world. It is. So as you can see, by 1996, we've got a thriving caucus of people working on disability in Leeds. And of course, we had a conference on doing disability research, which produced a book with lots of people writing in it, people like um, um, people from Canada, like Mar Marie, I can't remember her name, God, this is terrible. <laughs> but I mean, it is a long time ago, honestly, and I don't want to pick up the book and look because <laughs> people are here. But yeah. the book's got people in. We had a, a French chap who was very, very, very philosophical, and he actually came to Leeds in 1997 to our disability research conference and went away and wrote a book in French on disability, which is which is great stuff like yeah. that. So, as I say, we got. Um, over the next few years, in 1987, 97, sorry, we put together a proposal for a disability distance learning course, which is exactly the same course that we had at Leeds for 
postgrads doing disability studies MA. So you could do a postgraduate MA in disability studies by distance learning. Right. And that course was structured around the same structure, basically, except um, you would you would have three modules in your first year and two modules in your second year, okay? Yeah. Um, and the course was organised around when somebody enrolled on the course, they would be given a literature, they would be given tests, they would have a personal tutor at Leeds who would con talk to them via the internet and all that sort of stuff, which was open then, okay? And they would have three weekends at Wheatwood Hall. The university, you know, they would, course would come. And then in in September, late, early September, there would one week course, one weekend course for students who would come to Leeds from all over the world or in the England, wherever, right? They would have lectures, summary lectures of all the, the courses that were in that module, okay? So yeah. they'd get something on history, something on theory, so on and so forth over that weekend, plus discussion groups, very interactive. Then they would go home, liaise with their personal tutor, who at that time was a, a lovely student of ours called Alison Sheldon, who right. was very interested in disability and development. I think you know. I do know Alison, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll get to Alison later. Uh, so she was a principal tutor on the course, the distance learning course, actually. And she ran it right up until um, I left in 2014. There's another story to that. Then the second one, they would come um, just before Christmas and they'd do policy. And then they would do research in the third. And then in the last two modules, because that was the first year, okay, theory, policy, research. The second year, they would be able to do an option so they could do anything else if they wanted, like race or whatever, for a, yeah. a course to make it up to the four core modules. And then the last module would be a dissertation, just like a full-time MA. So they would get three weekend courses in the first year, two weekend courses in the second year. The, the last course was to talk about, they would do presentations, the students would do presentations on the dissertation and everybody would contribute, you know, saying, well, you know, you can do this with it and that with it and all that sort of stuff. So that was the courses. And they ran successfully um, right up until 2014. We had to cut the, the weekend courses down because they were too expensive. I mean, getting something like, 12 students, 15 students in a hotel can be quite expensive. But Wheatwood was very, very good at, you know, it was a great place for it to happen. I mean, and the students that came on the course didn't necessarily have to have formal qualifications. Basically, all they had to do was prove, as I said last week, one of the first women on, on the disability distance learning course was Rachel, Rachel Patel. Yeah. Uh, and she'll tell you a story about about when she came to Leeds for the interview, but I, she can tell you that. I'm not going to tell you it, basically. Uh, and she flying colours, you know, she went through the whole course without, you know, any formal academic qualifications and produced a great dissertation. Yeah. 
And yeah, the whole thing is quite amazing. The whole thing is very groundbreaking. So the the fact that you the you know the university ran courses a master's level undergraduate and PhD level for disabled people with few qualifications and then did it in ways which were accessible for disabled people so you could do it over three weekends or two weekends out of year one and then by distance you know the whole thing is pretty damn well no the taught courses weren't at um Wheatwood just the distance learning yeah. one. Because, I mean, if you're at the university, I mean, even if you do it part-time, you get your your, um, your, stu your tutor at the university and you have all lecturers have a period of time when it's open, open door for students, you see. Yeah. So students can just bang on your door and say, excuse me, Colin, can I do this, you know, or can you tell me about this and all that sort of stuff. So that basically was how it worked. And it it was very successful, you know. We had conferences on. We had disability disability in societies twenty five year conference at Leeds in nineteen ninety nine. We had a conference on disability and development, which um, Emma Stone produced a book, which is on the inter internet. Um, we did research on the media. We got research with the Policy Studies Institute in 1995 uh, to measure disablement, basically measure disability in the same way that, you know, I measured disability, if you like, in cabbage syndrome, you know, like I told you that we timed how it took to get to the yeah, library. Yeah, yeah. So you could do that. I mean, if you really think about um, how to measure you know, access, it's really easy. You know, for example, one of the things that being visually impaired, I'm really conscious about signage. And um, it's significant for me when you see signs, like the university had the whole e economic and social science building restructured in 2013, I think it was, something like that, 2013, just before I left. And they changed all the signage and they put black writing on a silver background. Oh, no, brilliant. Yeah, you know, I mean, now the interesting thing about this is, and I, I really do want to get this in, in because before we leave any, we did the policy, policy institute project fell apart for reasons which I don't want to go into basically. Um, it was Leeds and Policy Studies Institute was supposed to do this, but Policy Studies Institute's got into problems and of course the, the thing was abolished, abandoned, if you like, and we couldn't pick it up because the money was held by Policy Studies Institute. So that, that but over the next few years, we did research on all kinds of things. One of the most important projects that we did was independent living in um, 1999-2000 with the Centre for Disability Studies because the Centre for Disability Studies was set up by Francis Hassler and Jane Campbell uh, in 2000 and that ran, I think it ran till 2008 or something like that. But again, that's another story. We'll get to that in a minute. But before we get any further, there was a, an organization set up called the Independent Living Fund in 1989, after disabled people like John Evans and various others had moved out and got their own 
services. And the idea of the independent living fund originally was that they would provide money for disabled people to run their own services, which chap and I, Simon Priddy, who is a good friend of mine, have argued basically that disabled people using personal assistance services are employers and consequently, yeah. they should be treated as such and not dependent, if you see what I mean. But that's another story anyway. But now we're back to carers, which is another thing. But the important point about the Independent Living Fund, in, nine, in 2000, they got permission from uh, the Labour Party to do research on disabled people's needs. Now, bear in mind, we'd got legislation called disability discrimination in 1990 which was shall we say neutered neutered it was basically because it only covered on direct discrimination and there was issues about people claiming discrimination and all that sort of stuff so it didn't do much but it kept being criticized and updated and the independent living fund got money from the policy strategy unit to find out what disabled people wanted. And of course, a lovely chap whose name I can't remember now, which I should, came round to Leeds and asked us what, what we wanted. And he was with us about, with me anyway, for about two hours, basically. Anyway, he went away. And in 19, 9, 2004, they pro produced the interim report called Improving the Life Chances of Disabled People. The full report, was produced in 2005. Now it's called the Prime Minister's Strategy Unit Report, Improving the Life Chances for Disabled People. Now yeah. this report, this report is really important because Tony Blair wrote the introduction, basically talks about discrimination and how disabled people have put it on the political agenda and all that stuff. And the whole report is about how disabled people's issues should be addressed. It adopts a social model of disability. Yeah. It talks about the significance of improvements in education, employment, and so on and so forth. It suggests that there should be, local authorities should be responsible for producing CILs. Yeah. Every locale to support disabled people. CIL, so Centre for, for Independent Living. It also suggests that there should be a disability office for enforcing all these rules. And that was going to be under John Prescott. You remember two, ja oh, you're too young, probably. Do you remember two, John? I remember John Prescott too, yeah. But all that is in that report. Yeah. And of course, that report, if you go on the internet now, I tried to get the full report down. I couldn't get it. You've got a summary, but it doesn't tell you anything like that. But if you repeat, if you read Barnes and Mercer, disabled, what is it? What's it called? Independent Futures, creating, right. creating user-led disability services in a disabling society. 19... 2006, basically. Yeah. It's produced by Brit Bristol's Disability uh, Policy Press. I think it's still available. Anyway, it's all in there. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about following that, in 1996, 
there was what was called a disability equality duty introduced. Now, there's information about this on the Internet. All you've got to type in is disability equality duty. And that policy was all public institutions, including universities and colleges, have to produce policies to address access issues for disabled people. Yeah. And that introduced a three-year project whereby all institutions should identify what they can afford to address issues. And after three years, that be assessed and built on. And that was an ongoing process until the issues that were confronting disabled people should be addressed. Now, the interesting thing about that is uh, after 2008, it was forgotten. Yeah. That's not in force anymore. But what I'm trying to get at is the influence of disability studies and disability politics, a combination of disability organisations, disability activism, all that sort of stuff, up until 2005-06, had produced government policy. Yeah. And after that, it's all gone in reverse in many respects, if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah. Not just, I mean, the Labour Party introduced equality legislation for everyone now. Now, that's significant. But in my experience in dealing with all organisations and talking to people in all the organisations and institutions I've worked with, they've all got equality policies. Disabled people are all included in... But that's not enough. I mean, the interesting thing about disability discrimination is it's not just about attitudes and abuse. It's institutionalised in the very fabric, in the buildings that we build, in the transport we build, in the yeah. stories that we produce, if you see what I mean. And it yeah. costs money. You know, there's no, no dispute of fact that, you know, for me to go anywhere, for example, or for my, I need access in terms of reading, stuff like that, which when I went to the university wasn't possible. You know, I mean, it was a one of those, I'm waving my arms about again, it, it was a card system, so you had to bend down really to see where the books were, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I was really dependent on library staff saying, excuse me, can you help me to find, you know, uh, another book which which I've not mentioned, which everybody should read, is Paul Hunt's yeah. um, Disabled People's Stigma Experience of Disability, yeah. 1965. You know, that yeah. was one of the first books that I read. And, of course, um, Paul's Critical Condition is again essential reading on, on on all courses that I introduced. Well, so all that was up to 19. I mean, going back to I counted all the all the places that I went to between 1992 and 1990. I'm looking at a, a thing here. Yesterday when I was being when I was waiting for you. Yeah. And I counted all the countries that I've been to in yeah. my time at Leeds. 
24 countries. Wow. And some of those, you know, like I was um, associate professor on disability studies in Halmstad in Sweden. Uh, I was associate professor in disability studies at York University in Toronto. Um, and, you know, I've been to America a couple of times, and all those places I've been to. And in England, I've been to 83 different institutions in the UK, including, of course, Parliament and all that sort of stuff. During flogging, disability politics, yeah, academics, you know, even asked me to uh, the Oxford Union in 2008, which was interesting. Great. Hey, listen, look, we're, we're almost at the end of our hour. I know. Well, listen, what do you want you to know? What talking to you is an amazing thing. You, 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 you know, you, you're a yeah, but I mean, it's all right talking to me, but disabled people need to know what's gone before. Absolutely. You, you know, because all the effort during the, I was just part of everything else that was happening. Nothing more, nothing less. As I said, right at the very beginning, I've been really lucky because I was in a, put in situations where I could do things other people couldn't do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's up to, I don't know, you know, it's it's been interesting. I still do bits, but I, I'm not really involved with Leeds anymore. Yeah. You know, it's I been mean, a hell of a journey. Your life has been an incredible journey from the things I, you know, there's things that we just haven't spoken about that it would take oh, another hour for us to talk about. But it's well, why, if if I can't do it next week, but if you want to sort of show it to your friends or whatever, if you yeah. want to do another one in a couple of, I can't do if if you want to do it next week, it'd have to be Thursday. Can't no, be no, let's 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 leave that for the minute. But it's. You know, if you has... if you show your show disability organization and say, look, can we ask him questions or whatever? Because I never want I didn't want to sit here and just yap, yap, yap. But the sit if I don't do any more, I want people to know how yeah. this all came about. And it's not just about Colin Barr. It's about no. Mike Oliver. It's about Paul Hunt. It's about Ken and Maggie Davis, who set up Dial. Did you know yeah. that? Who yeah. set up integrated housing schemes in the 1980s, 1970s. Yeah. It's about John Evans, uh, people who left, you know, yeah. set up independent living. All I did was pull all that together. Yeah. That's what I did. You know, it's an amazing tour of and an amazing set of names. You know, Jane Campbell is still in the House of Lords, of course. And yeah, well, that's that's something else. Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful, but um, it it's let's put it like this: I'm not I'm not a fan of the honours system. No, I mean, one of the things that Mike was he never wanted to be, you know. Never thought the honor system was something, you know. I, yeah. I just think it's it, it's it's like saying, "Well, you've been a good boy, go away." Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry that that's you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not for me either. But there we go. Listen, it's been fantastic talking to you, Connie Barnes. And I did say before we began the whole process two weeks ago, whenever it was, we were fighting technology to try to get into the system. 
that I was going to call you a national treasure. And I really <laughs> think you are. And it's well, I just want to put on the record because you've if had I tell any, If I tell anybody that, they'll say, oh, look, you're a pompous bastard. Yeah, of course they will, because you're all northerners and we're softy southerners, so I can do it. So that's all all right. Anyway, look, as I said to you, if 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 you want a follow-up, say, you know, you talk to your people in your organisation, say, look, we've got this, watch yeah. it, see what you think. If you come back with questions, I'll do my best to answer. But Brilliant. I don't, I won't slag anybody off. I mean, Brilliant. the interesting thing is that, like, I didn't say that Tom Shakespeare did three years at Leeds, Danny Goodley did two years at Leeds, you know, yeah. Uh, Debbie Phillips, who works down near you, who works in disability, which she's uh, at your place, somewhere down near you. Debbie yeah. Jolly, who set up... Um, yeah, Deepak, to say yeah, all the cuts. Very proud of her. Yeah, she... Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, she did that on her own, basically. Um, anyway. Brilliant. That's it. I'm proud of them all. So, and you see that once you... It's all right you going in there and thinking, oh, well, I know what I'm going to do. No, I didn't know what I was going to do straight away. It came because of what I'd seen, what I'd heard, and what other people contributed and said, why did you do this? Why did you do that? That's how it all started. The yeah. thing about making everything accessible was something, you know. Um, I mean, the Disability Press, for example, has got something like 16 publications on it, not just by Barnes and Oliver. I mean, and Barnes and Mercer, you know, we put edited collections on. Why? Because edited collections are short chapters. Most most of them are no more than three, four thousand words long. And if you want to know about research and disability research, go look at disability research. And, you know, it'll take you an hour and a half to read each chapter. Choose what you want. If you want to research disability in women, go to that stuff like that. See what I mean? And that's what it's all about. It is. Um, Listen, I'm going. Go. I'm going to leave you for this sunny day. Fantastic talking to you. Take care. We're going shopping. How nice. The See you then. I'm going, going to watch Napoleon with my grandson tonight. Brilliant. Three hours. Good luck with that. Thank I'm, you, Colin. I was say, don't forget, if you want to come back to with questions, I'm happy to do that. Once. Thank you very much. But not forever. Thanks, Colin. See you later. Cheers.